You're listening to the Archaeology Podcast Network. Welcome to Soupcast, coming to you from Archaeosoup Towers. By popular demand, we're taking selected videos from the Archaeosoup back catalogue and bringing them to you as convenient podcasts. As the name implies, with Archaeosoup you get a bit of everything thrown into the pot. Archaeology, discussion, humour and debate. You can find out more at archaeosoup.com. So sit back, relax and enjoy our hearty helping of Archaeosoup. brief for the week of the 26th of July 2021. I am joined by Mr Andy Brockman, my amazing co-host, on Saturday morning because yesterday we were waiting on news from Stonehenge that was delayed and here we are. So it's been a slightly interrupted watching brief schedule this week but nonetheless we have some news with regards to Stonehenge, do, do we not Andy? We've got what on the face of it is some pretty momentous news. Mm. Um, this all started, as, as, as you've just said, we had a, a watching brief all planned. Um, and then on Thursday afternoon, I got a message from somebody from a contact in the campaign to, uh, well, the Save Stonehenge campaign, Stonehenge Alliance, which has been working with others to try and prevent um, what is called the short tunnel option mm-hmm. um, across the Stonehenge and the Avery World Heritage Site, which is a, a road plan uh, promoted by the UK government and uh, its roads agency, Highways England. Um, it has been going to, uh, to uh, what's called judicial review, which is a legal review of the plan mm. um and we were waiting on the verdict and it was announced the verdict was going to be released on friday afternoon and that's what we were waiting for yesterday um because it was um the release was due and then it was due at three o'clock and then it was delayed by an hour and eventually we got the um we got the release around uh, just in fact just before four and, do, do um, we know why these things are so often late and why these things are so often published at really blooming awkward time of the week because this isn't the first time that, that we've been waiting on something and it's just gone well you know we're going to publish at like six o'clock on friday good luck <laughs> kind of thing um is, is it is it because there are last minute edits is it because potentially there's there's awkward stuff in some of this stuff that that that, that, that people that want eyes on you know immediately or i, I... I really don't know. Mm. I, 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 you, know you, you can speculate, for example, that because the verdict went a particular way that um, the government wanted a heads up before mm. it was released, that wanted to have time to uh, gather its forces and, 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 and collate it. Marshal you know, its it, evil forces. Marsh, yeah, marsh, <laughs> marsh, yeah w- w- work out its press lines before the phone started buzzing. Well, well I suppose um, in, it, I, no, in this instance, actually, work out which rules it's going to rewrite in order to make sure that it is not actually breaking the rules. You cynic. You cynic. And I haven't even explained yet what's happened. Uh, yeah, no, you haven't. You haven't, no. Uh, also, uh, what I should say as well, um, before before mm. we go ahead, is just to say, um, 
for my part, I'm neither for nor against the notion of a, of a road through the Stonehenge landscape. I know you're a little bit more uh, opinionated and cautious about the notion of especially especially the short op tunnel option, uh, and uh, understandably. But uh, there are just just to just to be clear, there are archaeologists who are very vocally for the notion of this happening. It's, this isn't archaeologists against the tunnel. Uh, and for my part, I try to sort of walk the line in between the two, because uh, you know I have to be I have to be the um, the person with balance sometimes on this watching brief. You know, every now and then I, I can be the person who tries to bring a bit of balance. I, I like to think of this one I'm pretty well balanced as well in that um, should, look should, should I explain the background yes because um, that, that, that to, 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 to our viewer um, I mean basically this is a um, well if you look back through the catalogue of watching briefs past uh, you'll see that we've covered this story consistently effectively since we started mm. um, the current uh, arguments really began in 1995 when it was first suggested that a tunnel be built. Have we been recording for that the... long? Sorry? Have we been recording? We have. No, no, no. We're newbies to the, uh, to the Stonehenge Tunnel. Route. I was 11 years uh, old I'm... when I started. Yeah, or, 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 although if, if people uh, want, to, uh, want to remember it, I'm old enough to uh, remember the... Battle of the Beanfield, Google it if you don't know anything about the Battle of the Beanfield. Battle of the Beanfield. Um, yeah, so, so, look, so, we all know, and, we, and we, we've commented many, many times on watching Brief, and um, you've been um, suitably, uh, shall we say, sceptical at the, the, the role that Stonehenge plays in the British psyche and the psyche of the British media. In that everything is compared to Stonehenge or whatever. Yeah. Stonehenge is, is, is this absolutely iconic monument, mm. um, twinned with another Neolithic site, uh, primarily Neolithic site, uh, Avebury, a few miles away. Um, Stonehenge and Avebury form one of Britain's most high-profile World Heritage sites, and we'll come back to that in a minute. Mm -hmm. um, so, uh, and it has been long been perceived as a problem that the A303 trunk road, which is the trunk road uh, which runs basically east-west along the width of the south of England mm -hmm. from London down to the West Country, runs within a few hundred metres of Stonehenge and is basically now too small uh, for parts of the work time at least for the amount of traffic that it's asked to carry. It's asked to carry not just local traffic, but also as a trunk road, it carries um, freight and um, holidaymakers uh, to and from the West Country. So it is, it's, a key, it's, a, it's a key strategic transport route. Um, and it is a bit like the, the um, uh, going past Stonehenge, it's a bit like the sand in an hourglass. The, 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 it, it's the narrow neck of the hourglass that the traffic has to force its way through slowly sometimes. Mm -hmm. So in 1995, um, more or less, it was first proposed that the A303 was tunnelled under the downs at Stonehenge. Um, and it was initially, it was suggested as possibly a Millennium Project. Um, that fell through for various reasons. It's gone through various iterations since. Um, and in the early noughties, the then coalition government took a decision that it was going to build, again, a Stonehenge tunnel um, on this strategic route and upgrade this strategic route to the West Country. Mm. Um, 
most recently the uh, Highways England and the Department for Transport, which is currently headed by a cabinet minister called Grant Shapps, uh, decided that they were going to go for what's called the short tunnel option, which meant that uh, there will be a tunnel that burrowed under the downs, not under Stonehenge, as some people have uh, mistakenly said on, on occasions, but uh, taking the A303 under the downs near Stonehenge, close to Stonehenge, taking the stones out of the site of traffic and vice versa. Um, and then it would emerge in the World Heritage Site as a dual carriageway in cuttings, with, uh, uh, and, and there will be a strategic junction close to a, uh, a, again, a very famous group of Bronze Age barrows um, on the alignment with the sunrise on the midwinter solstice. Um, And it's that plan, more or less... Are the barrows in alignment or would the junction be in alignment with the winter solstice? (laughs) Both will be in alignment with each other and that's one of the problems. The the argument is that the the traffic and the lighting will be intrusive on the the midwinter solstice, which, of course, is... That that landscape is a ritual landscape, amongst other things, and it's tied to solstices uh, at various times of the year, summer and winter, and the arguments about how it was used and so on are ongoing among archaeologists and prehistorians so discussions argument i'm using arguments in the academic sense um yes they they make people make their case and other people make a counter case and Mm. uh we yeah we we we, um we yeah uh it's 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 all it's all proper um so that's where that that's where where we were the government had given that the uh go ahead in fact uh, minister chaps had given that the go ahead in spite of the fact that the um, World Heritage Committee, which is um, a, a part of the UNESCO World Heritage Site uh, mechanism, had said from the get-go that this wasn't a runner. It would cause uh, damage, irreversible damage, to what's called the outstanding universal value of the site, um, to the extent that uh, it was hinted this week, for example, by the... Um, the, the, the current head of the uh, World Heritage Committee of UNESCO, that the site could lose its World Heritage status if this project went ahead. Um, the planning inspectorate, the independent planning inspectorate, which is there to advise ministers, produced a, a lengthy report um, synthesising lots of other lengthy reports and archaeological studies and panel, stu- panel recommendations and so on, recommending to the minister that, Grant Shapps, that he... Um, killed the project that it wasn't it wasn't viable because it wasn't acceptable particularly in world heritage site terms Mm. um shaps however gave the go-ahead which um led the campaigners uh to form a group called safe stonehenge world heritage site limited which sought a judicial review against the government of shaps's decision and uh they crowdfunded it um, they employed the well-known uh, legal firm, solicitors firm of Lee Day, who do a lot of public law work. Uh, they instructed Lee Day to bring this judicial review, which duly happened in June. And um, Mr. Justice Holgate, the Honourable Mr. Justice Holgate, who heard the judicial review, <laughs> brain to mouth. Um, it's Saturday morning. It's okay. Re- Saturday morning. We don't normally work this. Yeah, um, Mr. Justice Holgate 
um, reserved what uh, what's called reserved his judgment, um, which is basically he didn't give judgment on the day of the hearing. Uh, he reserved time to think about it, research it, and write it up, mm-hmm. and he, that's what we and that and that's what was released yesterday. Now. Um, and that was a, a PDF link that you sent me, and we'll include a link below in the video. Absolutely. It's a 77-page judgment. It's a long judgment. It's a detailed judgment. Um, it is a very interesting judgment, I think. Um, basically, although there are a number of grounds on which the Safe Stonehenge Limited, uh, Safe Stonehenge World Heritage Site Limited, um, interrogated the minister's decision, in fact, um, it was upheld really only on two grounds. Um, but as uh, as the judge said in his conclusions, um, either of those grounds legally were enough to kill, uh, to, to, to make Grant Shapp's decision untenable legally. Um, essentially, the Highways England and the government made two fatal legal errors mm-hmm. in the procedure for reaching this decision. Um, one of them is that the minister wasn't given enough information um, and did not assess the impact on what are called uh, the technical term heritage assets affected by the project individually. Uh, instead, what he seems to have done is take a um, treat things as a group, mm-hmm. and legally he wasn't supposed to do that. And we can ask why that happened. The um, the, the, the the judgment doesn't go into that. Um, uh, 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 people need to understand that a judicial review doesn't look at every single aspect of a decision. All it does is look at specific legalities. Mm. Um, it, and it doesn't, and, and, and most particularly, and, 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 and again, it's something people misunderstand about this project and, and discussion of this project, a judicial review doesn't take a value judgment about the project. No. Um, it is purely yeah, so about it's examining the, 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 the mechanisms by which the decision has been made and whether or not this, this stuff holds water. So, for example, at the moment, there's some talk about a potential judicial review at Sheffield, and that's unlikely to look at... At, at content of a decision as opposed to how a decision was made, isn't it? That is, is that, that, that's the difference. That, yeah. that's, that's exactly right. Yes. So basically, um, the, uh, as Mr Justice Holgate said, um, the Transport Secretary wasn't given legally sufficient material to lawfully carry out what's called the heritage balancing exercise, which is required by two pieces of um, government uh, policy. Um, so... On that one case, the quote, the addition, the effect of the legal error is that the planning balance was not struck lawfully. So that's one court clause mm-hmm. that struck, uh, that would meet, uh, cause him to quash the consent in the first place. There was a second clause, uh, a second gra- what's called ground um, that the um, review was sought under, and that is that the uh, the minister and, and and the Department for Transport and Highways England didn't properly assess the case for alternatives to the plan that Highways England put forward. Now, this is really interesting because, for example, the most recent consultation, which I think if I remember right, was in 2018, mm. um, 
people remarked at the time that only one option was being consulted on, which was the short tunnel, when in fact the World Heritage Committee and others have put, proposed either a longer tunnel, um, which would take the, uh, the, the um, would cause less damage or no damage to the actual ground of the World Heritage Site. Mm -hmm. um, but obviously that would be more expensive. Uh, or, for example, alternatives like what's uh, a southern bypass, which takes the, would take the road around the World Heritage Site completely. Yeah. Though, though the judge um, made the judgment that those alternatives hadn't been properly assessed by the minister in making his decision. And um, in fact, he was quite scathing about it. Uh, I'm quoting here from the report. He said, uh, in this case, the relative merits of the alternative tunnel options compared with the Western cutting and portals, which is the most contentious part, were an obviously material consideration which the Secretary of State for Transport was required to accept, to assess. It was irrational not to do so. Mm. Mm. That's quite a, that, that's an ouch moment. Mm. Um, and it and, implies... And, and, well, no, what, sorry, you were just about to say what it implies, but what I was going to ask, therefore, was does it, do you, does it, does this imply that, that there was a preferred solution already before the decision was even made? Does it imply that, that the government is trying to do something on the cheap? Uh, it, what, what, it, 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 I know we've just said that this is not a review that, that will touch upon the substance of the decision, but um, but I suppose legally, okay, why do those sorts of laws exist? If that's what I mean, do they do they exist in order to to enable to ensure that people are considering the merits of a project on more than just how much it will cost in terms of its it has to be it's about its environmental impact, its um, social impact, its infrastructure impact, and so on and so forth. Um, it, it, is that kind of what what's going on there? Yeah, all, all, all of the above. Um, you know, government procurement, and particularly procurement at this kind of level, where you're talking about potentially you know, billions of pounds mm. in, in, in overall project costs, mm. um, the, um, the government uh, legally has to be seen to act in a legal way, in accordance with the law, in accordance with its own policies, uh, and in, a, in accordance with other... Uh, legal uh, mechanisms, for example, around uh, that the procurement is fair, um, that 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 it hasn't been prejudged, as you mm. were suggesting there, and 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 certainly, it has been suggested that, for example, the government tried to manipulate the process because it only ever wanted one solution, which was the one that was uh, that was currently on the table and that Shaps gave the green light to, mm. um, when it was in the eyes of many people, and even people who want to see the A303 moved or buried in a tunnel, um, that this was the th this was an option that pleased nobody except possibly the Treasury because it was the cheaper one. Yes, yeah. Uh, okay, so so what does this mean then? Because like yeah, yeah, yesterday I saw some archaeologists, I won't name them, just because I don't, I don't want to, 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 to embarrass them, although I'm pretty sure actually this, this particular guy wouldn't mind really being named, um, more or less saying, have a tunnel or don't make up your mind you know it's the whole you know poop or get off the pot type of thing like, what is going on here what will happen next and uh, and is this actually because i've also seen some people essentially celebrating the notion that hey the tunnel won't happen now that doesn't feel as though that's the case either i mean surely there's going to be an option for review a further review or a, a you know some sort of um um you know plea as it were from the from the government side on this uh what yeah what what is the next step 
okay. The uh, let, let, let's start to un uh, unpack that because it, it, as our viewer might have gathered by now, this is not an area where there are simple solutions mm -hmm. and often things aren't as they seem. Mm -hmm. Now, the baseline we'll start with is uh, a comment um, by Rowan Smith, who is a solicitor with Lee Day, the, the firm that was instructed by the uh, the, the, the campaign, uh, employed by the campaign, uh, retained by the campaign and instructed the barristers involved. Mm -hmm. And what uh, what Smith said is, quote, this is a huge victory, which means for now Stonehenge is safe. The judgment is a clear vindication of our client's tremendous efforts in campaigning to protect the World Heritage Site. The development consent for this damaging tunnel has been declared unlawful and is now quashed and the government will have to go back to the drawing board before a new decision can be made. Meanwhile, one of the country's most cherished heritage, cherished heritage assets cannot be harmed. Now, yeah, that is objectively true. Um, the, the, the government does have to go back to the drawing board. Um, and in fact... But, but does that mean that they can get away with basically just making some tweaks to their plan? In this well, drawing, that, this that, isn't necessarily from the ground up, is it? That, uh, no. And what we need also to remember here is that... Um, a judicial review isn't the end of the legal options which are available. Um, the, uh, either of the parties could choose to appeal. Now, um, whether an appeal would be worth it, as I said, that the, the judge said that the minister made two fatal legal errors. Mm -hmm. um, and either of which, it, it says in the conclusion of the report, either of which would have been enough to sink the project, to, to, to legally to kill the project. Mm. So they have to get over that one. And um, Paul Clifton, who's the BBC South of England transport correspondent, uh, tweeted yesterday in the aftermath of the, of the decision, um, my understanding is that the entire Highways England project will now be halted pending a government rethink. It's a substantial victory for campaigners who crowdfunded to bring the judicial review. Um, now, uh, in terms of a rethink, that, so that could mean putting all the other options back on the table, having them fully risk assessed, costed, and the minister making another decision. And that's not quick. No. Um, the other thing that's in play here is that in the autumn, we've got the COP26 climate conference in Glasgow. Mm -hmm. And that is likely to lead to fresh um, policy initiatives to reduce carbon. Mm -hmm. and a prime case for reducing carbon uh, or, uh, um, is to reduce carbon produced by transport mm. and, uh, and and therefore roads. Uh, and, and so, that comes and so time increasing also, a major trunk roads capacity, therefore, would be potentially uh, going in the wrong direction on that. Absolutely. In fact, there was another judicial review of the Stonehenge project um, a few a few days ago, which reported which uh, was on on climate grounds, and it found in the government's favour. Mm. So we're in a very fluid situation here. Um, and uh, say so, uh, it is it is technically possible for either party to appeal a judicial review, um, but um, you have to go to the court of appeal to seek permission to appeal and as i say that the, the, on on in on this occasion that there are two strong legal grounds that the judge found the minister was in error so the chances of an appeal succeeding are probably 
not so good. And the, and the government has to ask itself, is it worth spending a lot of public money on another court case, which it may well lose again? Mm. So you know, uh, the situation we're in at the moment is the project is quashed. Mm -hmm. um, the consent is withdrawn. Um, quite what the, um, the effect of that on the works that have already been commissioned from archaeological companies like Wessex Archaeology um, is uh, up for debate. And certainly... You, you, so you mean in so much as there could still be effectively preparatory archaeological investigations that could still happen? Yeah, that, that, that may, that, that, yes, there is work ongoing and that, that work may be completed or it may be halted on Monday morning. Mm. Uh, we simply don't know at the moment. Mm. Um, certainly in terms of the nuts and bolts of the project, um, Highways England claimed that there was £35 million of archaeological mitigation um, involved in bringing the pro project to completion. Um, that is obviously now in question, and that will be a pretty big hole in the cash flows and employment prospects of archaeologists uh, in, in in the UK. This was a major, major project. Mm. Mm. Is it worthwhile, uh, therefore, just briefly speculating then on what this means for? So if this is all uncertain now, what this means for this notion of showcasing archaeology, in so much as uh, quite a few people in the archaeological community have been saying, well, actually, this sort of project is really good because it demonstrates that archaeology can happen ahead of a major development. It won't stop the development necessarily, but it can augment it and make it make it so that it's, it's done properly, done right, as it were. Uh, do you think now archaeologists archeolog need, need to try and find other high-profile um, instances? For example, there's, there's some major roadworks, um, I think, planned in Scotland at the moment. There's, uh, of course, HS2 is ongoing. Um, uh, how much of a loss is this potentially to that notion of a, of a national showcase of archaeologists um, working you know, at, the, at the peak of, of professionalism? At that level, obviously, it is a loss. Um, there is, uh, uh, again, there have been. What well, I think one of the one of the sadnesses of uh, of this whole affair is the way that it's divided archaeology. Mm. Um, in that there have been a large number of eminent archaeologists who have sided with the campaigners and, and uh, largely academic archaeologists. It has to be said, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, and particularly um, and people with specialisms in in, in the uh, in, in prehistory, um, people like Mike Parker Pearson and, and, and so on. Um, the uh, certainly the arm's length organisations like Historic England, National Trust, uh, English Heritage Trust, which runs Stonehenge itself, have been ambivalent to supportive. Um, and there are also other individual archaeologists who have said this is you know this is a fantastic project it, as you say it's a showcase um i think personally and i'm speaking you know this is this is uh, a, a, a personal opinion it's not um I, I i'm trying to see both sides of the story journalistically um uh, personally i think archaeology made a strategic mistake in thinking we can do this wonderful showcase project 
which yes, it can. It would have been state of the art. It would have been a, mass, a massive employer. Uh, it would have helped the cash flow of large contracting units no end. It would have provided the kind of knowledge in all probability that people can build careers around mm. the interpretation and, 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 and dissemination of. Um, you know, archaeologically, it would have been a good if you could, you know, if you could divorce, divorce that level of research from the controversy around the tunnel, it would have been a fantastic research project on, on an internationally important site of outstanding universal value. Right. I think the problem comes in archaeologists who saw that and then saw that as a justification in carrying on with the project or supporting the project. Mm. Um, because that was taken on board before all these legal processes were worked through. And when it was absolutely clear from the um, reactions of not just the Save Stone, uh, the Stonehenge Alliance and the other campaigning groups, but also, for example, you know, the World Heritage Committee, that there were major problems with this project and potentially major legal problems with this project. Um, and I think uh, I, I've, I've just written an op-ed piece for the pipeline, which we'll link to below. Um, but one of the arguments I'm making there is that really, if archaeologists are to say that they're doing things as a public good, um, then an issue like this, which is about how we treat the most sensitive parts of our historic environment, the most important internationally, where what we do has a bearing on how people in other jurisdictions, in other parts of the world might treat their world heritage sites. And this comes again in a few days after Liverpool lost its World Heritage status because of planning decisions, which UNESCO have argued have damaged irrevocably the outstanding universal value of the Liverpool waterfront. Mm. Um, only the third time it's happened. Then uh, I, you know, the judicial review should not have been crowdfunded by members of the public. It should actually have been brought by our leading archaeological bodies, and particularly those bodies that advocate in public for archaeology and say that they are the guardians of archaeological ethics, the ones who publish the codes of practice and who take membership fees for enforcing those codes of practice and those ethics. That is an opinion, though. That is definitely not, <clears throat> not, not entirely balanced in so much as other people would make the, the other the other case wouldn't they they'd say well actually what matters now is showing what archaeologists do not not showing that archaeologists are sticking the muds who don't want don't want progress and all this kind of thing now the thing is that that flips back and forward in so much as progress mm. as defined by one particular plan as opposed to one of various options is yeah. is not necessarily progress it is a decision that's been made by someone else that you're deciding to back or one is deciding to back yeah um do so so this week uh cards on the table we were we were, we were going to be doing um a little bit of an overview of what we've been thinking about when we were at petraria uh last week and um uh, for various reasons it didn't quite happen we'll probably do 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 that next uh this coming week instead but one of the things that came out of that and conversations that i had with people who were running the pro the, the project and also meeting people who were actually doing digging was this fact that sometimes archaeologists um are eager to make claims as to the benefits of archaeology that they're not necessarily fully qualified to make 
Now, again, I'm not pointing any fingers. I uh, I, I could see the case in both both directions. But for example, in this instance, it was people who maybe uh, have been quoted or, or misunderstood, perhaps misconstrued. We should leave room for that. Misconstrued as suggesting that archaeology, for example, is a cure for PTSD. You, know, you go onto an onto a site, you do some digging, and suddenly, you know, veterans are, are you know, hallelujah, they're cured. Uh, with no handoff to third, third, you know, tertiary services, so um, clinicians or, or community care and this kind of thing. It's just a case of a very intense moment of uh, of therapeutic action, shall we say, and then who knows what happens next. And archaeologists, we're not clinicians, we're not psychologists, we're not medical professionals, and sometimes we have, or archaeologists have, made claims that, that, that need to be further examined. Uh, were we, at, were we? I'm going to say we. Were we at risk of doing something similar in this instance? And it seems potentially in a similar vein to that which we've seen surrounding battlefields, etc., in recent years as well. This this balance between, I suppose, uh, as you're suggesting, archaeologists positioning themselves as a, as a, as a as asking the question of public policy: Is this damaging to the historic environment? That, I think, there's a straight line between our qualifications and our public voice. But to what, to what extent should we, should we have the ability to make comments on, for example, uh, economic value or even, frankly, PR value of a project when actually the decision has other options? There are other routes in this case in Stonehenge. Um, I know that's, that's quite a long-winded and rounded question, but I suppose what I'm saying is, are we qualified to understand what's happened here? Do archaeologists actually understand this or not? And and uh, I'm asking that quite openly because, as I say, in the context of some other other interactions with fiscal policy, public policy, and mental health policy, so on and so forth, archaeologists sometimes stray into making slightly hippie-ish claims, slightly unfounded um, statements that sometimes get them into a little bit of trouble. That's a really, really interesting point. Uh, I think it is arguable hmm. that certainly in the case of Stonehenge, and I'm not going to go down the rabbit hole of uh, archaeologists, therapy, and so on at the moment. We no. can save that for another day. And yeah. There's some very valid questions to be asked there. It, it, it just, it just um, fired some, some connections, that's all for me. I just thought uh, was... No, I, 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 I understand why you're asking. Yeah. I, I, I think in this case, well, several things. One is that archaeology does not, cannot exist as uh, an ethical bubble outside of the influences of the, the real world as it is lived by non-archaeologists, including politicians, economists, and so on. Mm. Um, and I think it therefore is a duty of archaeologists to try and understand the world in which they're operating and where there are questions about whether those operations are legal and ethical as there have been on uh, 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 you know over the stonehenge tunnel and dueling um where, wherever you stand on the need for it there are clearly questions about how this has been carried out and a judge found that the minister acted unlawfully on two separate grounds either of which was enough to make his consent non-valid mm. 
regardless of the benefit for 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 public regardless of the benefit yeah. regardless of the benefits of to, to to the local people to the archaeology to everything else on purely legal grounds as was telegraphed by a number of people before this started mm. this was legally very questionable mm. how this was done was legally very questionable mm. and i think therefore questions have to be asked about the judgment of the archaeological bodies in particular, who went along with it as far as they did. I think in, you know, in the worst case, sorry, in the, in the, in the, in the best case, uh, it looks like they were used as greenwash. Mm. And in the worst case, you can argue they were complicit in an unlawful decision by government. Okay. Yeah. And, and again, I'm, you know, we're not going to name names or go through this, go through that stuff. I mean, no. that, that conversation is unfolding at the moment, but it is, Indeed. it's interesting. And, and I should just reiterate for my part, I'm not, I think, as I've already said before, there's a road there already, you know, it's one of those things where actually we can't undo the fact that traffic travels through that, that landscape. And there's so the question of mitigating yes. it somehow with the tunnel actually arguably is quite compelling in, in, to, to, in various ways. Mm. Whether this tunnel happened or not, how it happened uh, is, is, is probably more important. But also what, what, what I think what, I, what I've always found most intriguing from an, from an archaeologist's standpoint is this question of, of, um, of of the fact that it that 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 that, that criticizing um uh the, the mechanism became an archaeological issue as opposed to mm. as opposed to uh to being archaeologists together sort of saying well what is best for the historic landscape how can what are the other options and and maybe encouraging as you say maybe some of the named named groups possibly encouraging government to take another look at the other tunnel options uh not not stopping the work maybe even god forbid adding to the budget you know if 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 uh if that if those 35 million reasons is is high on your your agenda maybe yeah lobby to get the budget expanded so you can get you can get a better tunnel that doesn't damage their landscape quite so much i suppose just just you know, sorry. So my point being is that is that I, I, I'm, like I said, I've been trying to walk a line all the way through, and it's been very difficult to watch this conversation. Mm. Um, I suppose just finally, um, is there a loss potentially here in terms of sampling? Because because some people have made again some archaeologists. I, I don't. I, I I run the risk of sounding Trumpian. You know, I've heard, some people have said. I I heard. I I don't know about you. I didn't know, but some people have said. Yeah. Anyway. Um, Lots of archaeologists have made the case in conversations that I've had both privately and publicly um, that actually the tunnel was effectively a sample. It was a good, good opportunity to sort of, you know, to bore through, yes, the heritage um, protected, the, the, the um, World Heritage Site, um, but, but nonetheless, as you do that, understand possibly even right the way down to, you know, to, to, to Ice Age levels, um, everything that happened leading up to Stonehenge uh, and and possibly find some new uh, new uh, graves new um, environmental markers artifacts so on and so forth have we lost something here potentially in terms of that sampling aspect so putting aside the ethical and the moral questions as to how archaeologists proceed and what our reach should be in the context of public and civic engineering policies um, is is this actually a loss in terms of the potential gain or is this or is actually am i asking a question that's just 
archaeologically daft in so much as we never know what we're going to get <laughs> so, so you know you know until the present is unwrapped we don't know what's in there so actually is that a question that that that's that schrodinger's dig isn't it that's that's an archaeological excavation that is and isn't happening yeah okay um wrapping this up yeah uh, and answering that question uh and again it's it's a personal view but it's one i'm prepared to argue um I think, you know, I used to live in Salisbury, mm -hmm. just down the road from Stonehenge. I know that road really well. I know that area really well. And uh, in transport terms, there are questions that need to be asked, both nationally and for local people. Mm. And in fact, we had the local MP uh, on the Radio 4 Today programme just before we started recording, um, saying he was deeply disappointed by the uh, decision yesterday for on behalf of his constituents and he hopes the project will go go ahead as it was the best uh, option that was available and uh, that may be a government line that he's been given but uh, it, it's a view no, but also fairly fairly um, early on he was making the case that it would be good for business and this kind of thing wasn't he so yeah I, 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 absolutely absolutely um, in terms of the archaeology um, the archaeology is still there the archaeology would have been there even if the tunnel project wasn't on the table. Mm. What has gone is the potential to fund research archaeology. Um, if somebody, if, if a group you know, it wants to apply for lottery funding or whatever, to do that work or parts of that work, it can still be done even if that project never goes ahead. Mm. Mm. So I think we have to divorce the archaeology from the project. And when it comes to the project, it's not gone down. As I said earlier, the judicial review was not about a value judgment about the project. It's not, certainly not a value judgment about the archaeology. And it should not be seen in those terms. No. It was a, it was a judgment about the legality of the minister's decision. Mm. And the minister's decision was found to be unlawful twice. Mm. And I don't think archaeology should be associated with unlawful decisions. Okay. I suppose... Hypothetically, then, if 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 someone wants to heritage lottery fund or otherwise fund a sampling uh, transect across the landscape, because presumably digging a tunnel just for sampling would be bizarre, <laughs> just you know, straight down and through. Um, <clears throat> the irony there is that actually there'd be an awful lot of work that would go into expressing and demonstrating the benefit of doing that work in a historic landscape environment so so yes i mean you're right there is the ministerial decision that's the reason this has fallen through and and in that sense the value of the archaeology to a certain extent is neither here nor there because the project was always fundamentally flawed by the decision making process but also the very fact that if you were to do this in any other way you would have to be meticulous in in demonstrating benefit and also demonstrating how you weren't going to damage the site really also shows that that they all required careful thought at, at every stage uh, and and simply saying oh it's going to be great it's going to be great is well it, it, <clears throat> it's not enough basically it's not enough <laughs> from from a dispassionate standpoint it, it, that is not enough so um i guess we'll see what happens next for now uh, i suppose the the safe 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 stonehenge folks will be um happy might be the wrong word but they'll they'll be uh 
they'll be ce celebrating this decision. They'll be pleased that this, that, 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 that their efforts have. have uh, I, th I think actually, particularly after earlier on in the week when the uh, the other uh, challenge failed, um, they were actually slightly, somewhat surprised yesterday when they actually won. No, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. And um, I think the other thing I think we can be pretty sure of um, we'll be discussing this again. Well, with that in mind, uh, I'll let you go and get on with your Saturday. Uh, it's a conversation with the in-laws, and um, I'm going to go and uh, actually, I'm popping to a friend's house to lift weights in their garage. So, um, yes, uh, we, we are we are attempting to get hench. Um, <laughs> until next time, guys. Thank you for watching. Do take care. Bye bye. This podcast episode has been produced by the Archaeology Podcast Network in collaboration with Archaeosoup Productions. Find out more podcasts at www.archaeologypodcastnetwork.com. This has been a presentation of the Archaeology Podcast Network. Visit us on the web for show notes and other podcasts at www.archpodnet.com. Contact us at chris at archaeologypodcastnetwork.com.